This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Hello, my family. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Hero Academy podcast. If you're a frontline hero, police officer, fire, EMS, military, or medical professional, then you're in the right place, and this is the right show for you. This week, I'd like to introduce you to our guest, Jason, a.k.a. Motor Cop. Uh, He's the host of the podcast, What's Your Emergency? Did I get that correct? You nailed it. All right, yeah. I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name. How do you say it? Toshauer. Hoshauer. Common is that German? It is. It is. Although I am Scottish. Uh, it's actually a, <laughs> it was my dad's stepdad's name. So I, I don't have a lick of German in me at all. Although I do currently have a German exchange student living in my house. So, you know, maybe that's what we set ourselves up for 50 some odd years ago. German exchange student. Uh, did she, re- she or he reach out to you? Uh, it's she. I have three daughters, so there is no way on God's green earth I'm bringing a other dude into this house. <laughs> Get out of your mind, man. No way in hell. Uh, no, we take part in an organization called AFS. Don't ask me what it stands for because I never remember. And uh, we've had this is our second exchange student. We had an Italian from 2015 to 16, and she was the absolute bee's knees, man. She was great and ruined us for all other exchange students. Like we couldn't open our hearts again because when she left, it was like it just ripped us open. So how long did I stay with, with you? Uh, a whole year. Oh wow. Uh, Mia is our exchange student. She's been here since September and doesn't leave in June. Oh wow, that's incredible. It's um, awesome, dude. Absolutely awesome. So can you just tell us your story real quick? Oh, God, which story do you want me to tell? I have so many of them. I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. How's that? Because it'll be a really long, really long episode if I just go on a jag here. So I am a recently retired police officer after 23 years of... God, such a long time. 23 years of service, 13 of which I spent on two wheels uh, as a motor officer. And it still blows my mind that they sent me a paycheck every two weeks to ride a bike. I mean, it's just just ridiculous. So that professional experience uh, on the personal side, uh, let's see, we are just uh, about three weeks away from my 17th wedding anniversary. I have three daughters, 15, 12, and 10. I host the podcast, uh, WYERadio.com for What's Your Emergency with my best buddy, Justin Shore. The Happy Medic is my co-host, and we talk about responder, talk specifically about mental health, physical health, financial health, just the things that you don't tend to think about on any given day. We don't talk, you know, tactics and on-the-job stuff. It's more the the behind-the-scenes things. Uh, And let's see, I started my financial coaching business. I'm a Dave Ramsey master financial coach. And I'm actually, now that I'm retired, that has been my, going to be my sole focus in the, what I'm calling phase two of life. I don't have to be anywhere on anybody's time anymore, which is why, you know, if, if you ever see this video sees a light of day, you see the nice beard I got going on. And the day I got hurt at work was the last day I shaved. So it's, <laughs> it's been awesome, dude. You look like a Navy SEAL slash like, um, I don't know, w- woodsman. Uh, sometimes I just think hobo. <laughs> <laughs> T- 
tell us a little bit more about your career. So what's your emergency? Is that like something that they say on the West Coast? Is that like a common thing? <laughs> no, actually we had, so I've been a podcaster for about a decade. Our first show was called The Crossover Show. And very long story short, I actually met Justin, the happy medic online, which is hilarious. It's a bit of a long story, but I had a, a blog back in the day. We started our, our respective blogs back in 2008. And it really started as a catharsis for me. Uh, after I bike in 2006. So from 06 to 08, it was just constant negativity, right? Because I mean, you can stop yep. by a motor cop, you're getting a ticket. That was the tagline for my website. If you got stopped, you deserved it. Whether or not you got a citation, hey, that's that's up to the individual officer. But if it was me, I mean, there's no two ways about it. I was that guy. Actually, if you Google motor cop right now, I still come up number one, which blows my mind. The blog, rather, hasn't existed in years. But I've kind of curated and created this alter ego. And I mean, I talk about myself in the third person. It's weird. But it really started as just a, a therapy to kind of exercise those demons that I would bring home with me. You know, I don't want to come home and yell at the kids, kick the dog, and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. I needed to have a kind of a therapy to just get those all of that nasty stuff going on in my in my brain out into the world. And I thought, maybe my folks will read it, maybe the wife, and that's going to be it. Turns out, no, a whole bunch of people read it. And I get this email from some random dude years ago. It was probably 2009, 2010, early 2010, I think. And he's like, hey, I, I think we know... Yeah, I'm, I'm friends with this guy, Justin Shore, the happy medic. I, I think we kind of live in the same area. I... Uh, very stalker like language. Right? I think I think I know where you live. I'm like, whoa, man. Hey, we're gonna be at this bar Monday night at this time. We'd love to buy you a beer. And I mean, that's that's my Achilles heel, right? So I tell the wife, hey, I'm gonna go meet these two chuckleheads. If you don't hear from me in like 15 minutes, call the cops because I'm probably in a trunk somewhere. You know, I'm gonna get kidnapped and extorted or whatever. Maybe murdered. Maybe it was a whole sex ring. I don't know what's happening. But I walk into this place. And meet this guy. His name is Dylan. A great guy. And Justin is sitting next to him. And he, Justin looks from Dylan to me. And he's like, Who, who's this dude? And Dylan says to Justin, this is Motor Cop. And you'd have thought he said, you know, this is uh, Slash or, you know, some famous movie star. He just, he went bonkers. It was hilarious. I got to call my wife right now. Calls his <laughs> wife. He's like, I'm having beer with Motor Cop. And that was it. It turns out that our lives have kind of done this, this, you know, DNA kind of strand thing. I went to college with his wife, completely unbeknownst to both of us. The joke now is that she and I dated in college and it's never not funny. I mean, I may have walked... I wish I could go back in time and see how close, like in proximity, we walked by one another. I never knew her, but he was at my college graduation. We've stayed at, at the same bed and breakfast. And when I found out we were pregnant with our first child, I wrote in the book, and this this is a fairly large bed and breakfast, they happened to stay in that room one year later and wow. read my story and like had tears in their eyes. He told me this years, years later. So we're talking about cool places we've stayed. And I said, hey, there's this awesome place, you know, up on the coast. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. And uh, it was the Inn at Schoolhouse Creek, I think is what it was. He's like, oh, yeah, that's, I've stayed there. That place is really cool. They have this water tower. I'm like, yeah, with a spine. He's like, yes. 
He's like, did you stay in that room? And he said, yeah, man, it was awesome. It was our first anniversary. And he just stops. He looks at me and he goes, did, did you write in the book? I said, yeah. <laughs> he goes, did, is that when you found out you were pregnant with Faith? Yeah. And he's like, holy crap, dude, you've got to call Kim, his wife, right now and tell her that. And I did. And she was like, you've got to be kidding me. And it's just, it's, God works in mysterious ways, man. We were destined to be brothers. I'm an only child, but I definitely consider him family. And it's through this shared experience of being first responders. He's on the, I mean, if you look behind me on the, on the screen, you, you see the thin blue and the thin red line flags. My dad is, uh, is a retired firefighter. His dad's a retired firefighter. I just happened to go to the dark side and go down the law enforcement <laughs> route to be MC. I am, I'm not a motor cop. I am motor cop, period, full stop, we're done. So we, we have kind of the shared experience of growing up in a firehouse, going to, you know, traumatic, heavy, difficult uh, details or incidents, and then having to decompress and, and process and, and all of that. And that's really why we both started our respective blogs. And then we just decided, you know what, let's, let's start a podcast. Let's just kind of sit down and BS over a couple of beers and see where it goes. Seven years. And then uh, he was going for a new gig. And they found out about the podcast and like you explicit tag. And we swore like truck drivers on the show. I miss it desperately. <laughs> I was uh, just going to ask you if there was any backlash from your department ever. Or did anyone oh, yeah, ever... They, there was no social media policy when I started. And I mean, it's going on shows like yours. I've been on, on a host of other podcasts as well. And they're like, you started when? Holy, like you're like one of the original first responder, like content creators, man. Like, you're, you're an OG. You're an OG I, for sure. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I'm not Officer Daniels or Mike the Cop big. Uh, they have been much more intentional with their content, but... You know, it was the Wild West back in the day. There was no policy. I got pulled into the lieutenant a number of times, the chief's office. Hey, we, we got to talk about what you're doing. I'm like, cool. What am I doing wrong? Well, it's just, you know, like there's no policy. I'm not talking about the department. And I very, you know, respectfully told them to piss right off. You can't. Because, no, because you, you never wrong. mentioned, you never mentioned the department you work for. Nope. Nope. What's really weird is going on podcasts now using my last name. I use the moniker Motor Cop because it was uh, just that. It's a moniker. And like we used to do old Google Hangout shows and I would wear my helmet with a shade <laughs> that would come down and you would just see like my chin. That was it. I was completely anonymous. And I, I would change the circumstances of uh, you know traffic stops that I would do. I'd change the time of day, the sex of the driver, the violation... I would change all kinds of stuff. And it was just telling stories about what it's like to see life from the, the seat of a police motorcycle. That's great. It's great. It Man, was fun. It was fun. It's incredible that you started that long ago. You've been in the game for so long. How many episodes do you think you recorded? Oh, God. Between crossover and what's your emergency, we're easily into five, 600 episodes. Easy. Wow. We just, we just actually, as we're recording this today is our season three uh, wrap for what's your emergency. We always take the Chris, because I'm leaving to go up to family up in Washington. I'm in the, we didn't mention I'm in California. I'm in the San Francisco Bay area. And my dad lives up in Washington. So we're the, the kids get out of school Friday and we're leaving at stupid o'clock Saturday morning. 
driving up to Portland to my brother, uh, my brother, he's technically my stepbrother, but we love each other. So it's like, we just brothers, but we, we each grew up as only children. So it's, it's been cool to have a brother now that you're like, I didn't have to deal with all your crap when you were a kid. This is great. So we'll go to Portland, stay there. And then the next day we'll drive up to, uh, up to Washington. So we've, we take that time off just to kind of reconnect with family. And I mean, we could bash record and schedule things out, but it's nice to have a delineation between seasons is what we've come to find. And it, it keeps us motivated. You know, every once in a while you get, I'm sure you've had this experience Well, a listener will reach out and be like, Hey, you know, I love that episode on X. And every so often, even after all these years and all these episodes we've done, I think to myself, why in the hell do we keep doing this? I mean, like what's, what's in it for us? I can just sit down and BS with my buddy over a beer and I don't have to record the conversation. But inevitably, when we are in fact record or not recording, we'll sit there and we'll literally say out loud, why aren't we recording this? This is, oh, this, God, is go- this could have been the best conversation in the world. <laughs> this is gold. Yeah. I started uh, when we would go to, right when the pandemic started to pull back a little bit in the springtime. And I, again, keep in mind, I've been medicaled out since July of 2020. And I have a, a portable, it's called a Zoom H6, so a portable podcast studio, basically. And we would, just go, we would go to the tap house and just push, you know, start drinking and hit record and just let, let's see what happens. And, you know, sometimes it's garbage and sometimes it works out to be a really good episode. And there've been a couple of times where the quality just wasn't there. So I didn't put it out. That's the big difference between the internality that we have with what's your emergency versus the, I mean, just shotgun approach to TCS, to the crossover show. We I'd show up with a six pack and be like, all right, we got to record four episodes. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. Let's, <laughs> let's do a quick internet search. And then you would, you could tell we batch recorded because by the fourth episode, it was like, Hey, Hey man, let me, let me tell you something. You know, it was just, it was so bad. It was so bad. But yeah, we've done hundreds, hundreds of episodes and it took us with the first show. It probably took us about seven years to get to like 40,000 downloads. And we're at the end of season three and we just crossed uh, 71,000 in three years. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping next year we can have just a banner year and uh, hit six figures for downloads. So your first season, do you remember what kind of numbers you were hitting or how, how long it took you to hit that first, you know, 1,000 or you know, 100 downloads? Do you remember how it's far? It's funny. I love first responders. I mean, I grew up in a, in a civil service home. I was a cop for almost a quarter of a century. First responders are some of the, the greatest, most giving, selfless people on the face of the planet. They are also remarkably fickle. God bless them. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, no rhyme or reason, our episodes just, you know, go bonkers. And sometimes it's like, man, we put out great content and it just crickets. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No response. It's like, that's the world of, of the podcast, you know, just, just because you're yammering away doesn't necessarily mean that it connects with people. And it's, it's setting that intention for a show and trying to frame it through, okay, how does this story benefit the listener? Even shows like Smartless, it's uh, Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and uh, Sean Hayes. And they interview, you know, they're celebrity friends, whatever. It doesn't benefit me in the least because I am not a an any letter list celebrity at all. But I like listening to, you know, guys like, uh, the last one I listened to was Jimmy Fallon. Mm-hmm. It make entertain me. If I 
derive some sort of wisdom from you, I better be entertained. And they excel at that. Justin and I try and do what we call edutainment. Like we're trying to educate people, but be entertaining at the same time. Because if it's a drudge to record, it's going to be a drudge to listen to. I don't want to listen to... Like, I know it's a fantastic podcast, but hardcore history. Ah. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Oh my God. It's just, it's so dry. It doesn't do anything for me, but I'll listen to Mike Rowe read a phone book. I mean, that guy is engaging, like rolling out of bed. If you've not listened to The Way I Heard It, that is by far and away my favorite podcast. He, he is absolutely an astounding individual. I've heard his name. I've never heard of his show before. I'll listen. I'll give it a listen. God, dude. I don't know what season he's on now, but they basically started as like short stories, nine to 11 minute episodes. And he doesn't tell you who the character is. It's some famous person from history. And he'll tell you their story from a completely different point of view that you may have never heard. And the whole time you're like, who is he talking about? Keeps calling him George. mm, Ends up it's George Washington. Or and you're okay. like, I, I never knew that about this person. It's fascinating. And it's, I mean, it's Mike Rowe. The guy's got a golden voice. People are always telling me, oh, you've got such a great radio voice. You do, you do. <laughs> Dude, Mike Rowe makes me sound like Peter Brady on that one episode where he had the, the change. And I sound like an idiot compared to Mike Rowe. The guy is, he's phenomenal. How long have you been recording? We started TCS, I want to say, like in 2010, maybe 2011. Did you do any voice work or it's just years and years of practice? No, I haven't. I've, it's funny you mentioned that because I've considered... I, it's not the first time I've heard, oh, you've got, you've got a really good radio voice, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if it's my voice, if it's the quality of microphone or the roadcaster that I'm using. I have. It's no not idea. just the quality of the microphone. It's the way you enunciate your words and the tonality and just the way you change. You're not boring to listen to. You know what? I th- Honest to God, this is such a weird thought, but I think part of it is just spending so much time on the radio at work and knowing that if I mumble if I'm not articulate, if I can't describe what it is I'm seeing, there are going to be some very real, potentially life-altering things that come down the pike if I'm not clear. I have to be clear. I was at, For the last couple of years of my career, I was an NFTO as well. And actually, I started in law enforcement back in the mid-90s as a dispatcher down in San Diego. Okay, okay. So I've, I've been on the radio in you know either public service or a podcast for 30 plus years, a long, a long time, a long time. And I've, as part of my kind of phase two, I've considered looking into voice training or getting into voiceover stuff because I I can do that for my home. What's your primary business now? Like what uh, is it going to be the coaching? I am in the midst of working with a guy named Adam Wills, who is the brilliant mind behind a little website called LEO to CEO. And it's all about making that transition from law enforcement to the private sector and building your own business. He's also a a certified story brand guide. And I don't know if you're familiar with story brand, but that's Donald Miller's business. Yeah. So I I actually, because of Adam, I picked up Business Made Simple University. It's like $275 for the year. And I just got done doing his training on sales funnels. 
So I'm working with Adam and setting that intention, starting a new podcast, all surrounding the world of personal finance. And just to, to give context, a decade ago, my wife and I were about $80,000 in debt. And I was working a ton of overtime. And we were just making ends meet, like making no traction in our finances. But when we set our intention and started working with a written budget, a written spending plan, because no, I get it. A written spending plan, we paid off over $77,000 in debt in 28 months on just my income living in the San Francisco Bay Area. It wasn't easy. It was... I mean, I I missed the first two years of my second child's life is what it felt like because I was at work 40, 50 hours of overtime on average a month. That's an extra week of work every month, an extra two and a half months of work every year. I was gone a lot. But we paid it off and I stopped working overtime out of necessity in 2000. And I didn't work an hour of overtime unless I was told to after that. I was going to say, I got burnt out of overtime too because I I got used to the income of overtime. That's one of the biggest traps too. Oh, which you probably, you probably teach people, you know, getting used to that higher income level because the overtime is almost always available. So, so it's like you're always making, but it's not your base salary. No, not even by a long shot. And it's a trap for sure. It is. I call it the overtime cycle. You get trapped. You get, A, you get used to, bringing in the, quote, extra income. And I'll, I'll do what I do on my show. I use air quotes on a radio show. Uh-huh. That's just something we do. You get used to it. And it's not just that. It's the psychology of, man, I have been working so much. I deserve insert thing here. And there's a distinct difference between the male officer and the female officer. The female officer will go buy clothes, shoes, maybe some makeup, whatever, a few hundred bucks. Dudes? They'll go buy a $70,000 truck. <laughs> nice job, dummy. Now your uh, monthly car payment is $600 a month, which, by the way, necessitates you working more overtime. Yep. It, and it's, it's a trap. It's absolutely a trap. But if you can suck it up on a, a written plan, I promise you, I, I can get you out of debt. And I don't care how much money you owe. And now we're not talking about your house. I still owe money on my house, but... Even during the downturn in... Uh, so I, I live in the, in the East Bay, California. And right now, as I sit here, my house... I live in a, a 1,260-some-odd-square-foot house. Three-bedroom, two-bath, you know, suburbs kind of a thing on a postage stamp of, a, of, of land. And at one time, we were paying between our first and our second mortgage, we were paying $3,300 a month. Mm. And now through all of our you know, acumen with, with finances, including our taxes and insurance, we're down to, I want to say like around 2100 a month. But our home is currently worth somewhere in the neighborhood of about $700,000, which is just asinine to me. It's asinine. In 2008, when the market crashed, it went down to about two and a quarter. That's the nature, not only of real estate, but California real estate Specifically, it's probably true in uh, in your area as well. I'm in, I'm in New York. Yeah, I'm I'm on yeah. Long Island, New York, and uh, those it are the, is ridiculously expensive. The two most expensive places on the planet, at least, or certainly in our country, to live: New York yeah. and San Francisco. And it, it, I mean, it it is just unreal how expensive it is, and that that's just housing. 
gas here is five bucks a gallon. You know, a gallon of milk costs more here. Eggs cost more. I can see, you know, if I, if I go up on the hills here, I can see the refinery from near my house where they make the gas. <laughs> it's not that far away, right? You would think, oh, transportation costs. Yeah, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. It is way more expensive here because of taxes. And, you know, we don't need to go off on a discourse, but it's expensive to live here. So I don't want to hear your complaints about, oh, I live in, you know, insert other state here. Your mortgage ain't three grand, I promise. Unless you were just so over leveraged, but that's something we can we can deal with too. And I found that most cops, it certainly was my case, I don't trust most people. I just don't. That's the nature of what this job does to you. You stop having faith in humanity. Uh, I am proud to report that post, you know, starting to come back a little bit. You know, I still look at everybody's <laughs> hands when I walk in the Starbucks. That's never going to go away. I'm still judgmental as hell about other people's driving because I'm better than they are. I just am. <laughs> it's arrogant, but there it is. What I found is that I've walked in most other cops' shoes. Like I can identify with them and they can identify with me. I have created a system that is cop proof. It's firefighter proof. I mean, if the firefighters can do it without eating the crayon, cops can certainly handle it, right? And that's when you find somebody that has done what you do and they've done something else you want to do, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Ask them how they did it and then do those things. And that's, that is my goal with my financial coaching. We're in the middle of rebooting it. So don't go there now because the website's garbage, but it's it's GPS financial coaching. I'm starting a new podcast called Badges and Budgets based off the book that I wrote five, six years ago. That's also early quarter one goal for next year is uh, the second edition, talking more about post-law enforcement, how to prepare for retirement, because that's where I am now. And, you know, trying to be an example to the guys and, and gals in our profession and to let them know that you don't have to work all this overtime just to make ends meet. I will front load that with saying it, what I teach you isn't easy. It's not. I paid off almost $78,000 in 28 months. It was freaking hard. I wouldn't change a thing. Would not change a thing because the way I feel now, I mean, the wife and I, we don't argue about money. We don't because we have a plan and we're intentional about it and we're communicative about it. We still have other issues. We are not a perfect marriage by <laughs> any street. We had a row last night. Ooh, I had to leave. I mean, it was, it was bad, right? But this morning we went out for breakfast and we're okay now. What the argument was over had nothing to do with our finances. When you take a job that is as stressful, as damaging to your mental health and your physical health and all of these negative things, and then you add money crap on top of it, I mean, you've got a recipe for just gnarly, gnarly things coming down the pike. What I found is when we got our finances in order, so many other aspects of my life, my marriage, my parenting, everything just whoop, dovetailed together. And because I set that intention for one thing, my physical health improved. My mental health has been a work in progress. But I'm, again, that word intentionality is so very underrated. 
if you aren't getting up in the morning and setting your intention for the day, for the week, for that month, for that year, and it doesn't have to be January 1st, it can be Tuesday, March 7th. Who cares? Everybody has the same number of hours in a day. It's what you do with it. It's it's the same thing with your money. It's not how much you make. It's what you do with what you make. My budget is not your budget. Gary's budget is different than Bethany's. Everybody has different obligations, but there is a systematic way to approach it that you can personalize to your unique situation. What I taught my kids was it's not the how much you save, it's the habit of saving. Oh, absolutely. It's so funny that the more you save, the easier and more pleasurable it is. We talk with our kids about spending, saving, and giving. Dave Ramsey is huge on that. You know, we tithe. We give 10% of our money back to God, right? That's our belief. And then we save money. The way that retirement works here in California, at least with my department, is a little goofy. So I just got the notification, you are officially retired. Great. It's probably going to be three months before I get a paycheck. And if we hadn't set an intention years ago, knowing that that day is coming, it's an inevitability, or I'm dead and she gets a crap ton of money anyway, so who cares? We knew that it was going to be you know, 60 to 90 days before we get paid. So on top of our emergency fund, we saved up three months worth of expenses. So when we don't have money coming in, we're not wondering, are we going to end up on the street? <laughs> you know, I don't need that stress. And I get up in the morning now and yeah, sure, there's stress with getting four kids to four different schools and then picking them up and then taking them to dance and gymnastics and blah, 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 blah. But ain't nobody going to die because of those decisions, right? It's a different perspective than going to work, being 10-8 every day and not you know, having to watch your back all the time and taking of finances completely off the table allowed me to relax back in 2011 more than I ever thought was going to be a possibility. And for more cops, it definitely is. It absolutely is. If you are serious about it and if you want to be intentional about it, if you want to improve your marriage, get on the same page with finances, which means you're spoiler alert. So don't be a little baby about it because you know, he or she on the other half equation is going to have to do the same damn thing. That's the way marriage works. It's not easy. It's not, but if it's worth it, and I happen to believe firmly that it is, sometimes, you know, you take a shot in the shorts, bummer. <laughs> you know, and sometimes everything works out great. That's just life, man. How long have you been married now? Uh, it'd be 17 years on January 8th. That's awesome. Congratulations. Any Thank plans for the 20th anniversary? You know, it's funny being almost three years away because, let's see, our youngest. Because you're a planner. Be, you, I you're am. A planner, oh, I, so. 100%. <laughs> our youngest will be 13, 14, something like that. So it kind of depends on where we're living and if they. If they are trustworthy and responsible individuals to take care of themselves, I would love to. Uh, I proposed to my wife on a cruise. I surprised her with a trip. She thought we were going to San Diego. We ended up going on a week long uh, Mexican cruise. Nice. And they had a karaoke night. There's like 200 people in this theater. And I sang Bed of Roses by Bon Jovi because I'm a huge nerd. And then I proposed to her in front of all these people. And I would love to take her on a cruise again. Uh, not necessarily to Mexico. My dad and I took a uh, an Alaskan cruise that was phenomenal. 
so I, w- I would like to do that. You know, maybe maybe take the kids up to grandma and grandpa's and leave them there, ditch them for a week, and that might work out all right. That's a good plan, but uh, she might hear this, and then, you know, the plan my is out. show, dude. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, you going to another podcast? Whatever. <laughs> my, my girl listens to everything that I'm on. She's my uh, biggest fan. She listens nice. to every episode of the podcast and every interview that I've done. So I got to rack up more interviews. That's what it is. I got to do more podcast interviews because <laughs> she listens to them all. I know she's going to hear this one too. So, you know, uh, it's funny. I to... did. Oh, please, I don't interrupt your shout out. <laughs> shout out to Teresa. Big Hi, girl Teresa. listens to every episode. Good on you. Good on you. So I did an episode. Justin was out of commission for whatever reason. So I had to do a solo episode and I decided to kind of Kind of like with our money, we brought the walls down and we're very open book about, you know, the things we're going through. And I decided to do that about my mental health struggles that I've been, you know, once you get out of this job and re-entering real life is very strange. It's just, uh-huh. it's different, man. It's just different. And kind of dealing with the fallout of 20 some odd years of of dealing with other people's problems because nobody calls us to see how we're doing. They don't, they don't care. But anyway, so I, I do this solo episode and uh, I didn't really plan anything. I didn't write anything. I just hit record and talked about how I was doing because I wanted to make sure that my listeners know, hey, just because you hear me and Justin having a great time and, and laughing it up and all that, that's not my all the time, right? Like we had a psychologist on and he's talking about you know, a bunch of his stuff. And, and she asked him, do you, do you ever get angry? He's like, no, not, not really. And I was like, what? Dude, I'm angry right now at you. And I don't even know what, right? I'm, I just, that's kind of my go-to as a cop is you have conflict and let's do this, man. Let's go. You know, it's on. And it's, that's not healthy. That's not healthy at all. You see, so you have to have some sort of strategy to deal with that. And that's the nice thing in the podcast and, you know, in talking to folks like you is that, If you are of a mind, you can let people in and people identify with that kind of thing and they get something out of your journey, hopefully. I mean, that's the goal for us at WYE Radio is that we want to talk about what we're dealing with because we don't live in a vacuum. We are not unique, beautiful snowflakes. Other people are going through the same kind of stuff. We're not, you know, special at all. But having the opportunity to kind of get on the radio, for lack of a better word, and and just kind of bleh and talk about stuff, it was cool. And it was weird because that happened to be an episode that my wife listened to. I'm like, you haven't listened to the show in years. And she's like, no, I just... I think she's on my email list. So I send out, out a weekly email for the new episode. Say, this is what we're talking about this week. She must have read that. And even my mother-in-law listened to it. And I was like, whoo. <laughs> so that was a little strange, but... My wife's deal is that she has always told me, I would rather hear those stories from you, like directly across the table, not listening to headphones or, you know, performing for your fans, for your audience, for, you know, whatever. I have to say that, you know, you said that Teresa is your your biggest fan. Katie is definitely my biggest supporter. Actually, over breakfast this morning, she was like, I feel like I've let you down because we haven't done a, a retirement party for you. I literally, as we're recording this, I found out a week ago today that the medical board accepted my medical retirement application. So my official retirement date was now November 7th was my last day of being on paid status. So November 8th, I'm officially done. 
And she's like, you've been off for a year and a half and we haven't celebrated that at all. I'm like, that, that's because we were in purgatory. We, we, uh-huh. didn't, we had no idea what was happening. <laughs> Going out on a medical is different than a service retirement because there's so many unknowns. I was on 4850 time for a year. I wasn't allowed to retire. I mean, I was allowed to retire, but giving up tax-free money is kind of stupid. So uh-huh. <laughs> that's why I drew that out as long as possible. And she felt concerned that I might think that it wasn't any big deal to her, which is ridiculous. I mean, she has been my biggest supporter ever, 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 ever. I mean, and my mom. So we're, we're planning a retirement party. You know, it's, and it's having that kind of support system at home that makes all the difference when, you know, if you're a day shift guy and you're getting up at 0400 and you're going to be gone for 10 to 18 hours, that's hard to maintain. That's real hard to maintain that sanity. And there was one incident in particular. I was like fourth or fifth on scene for an officer-involved shooting. And it was it was brutal. I mean, and he ended up dying. His name is Officer Kenyon Youngstrom. He worked for CHP. And I'm watching paramedics do you know CPR. And he took a, a gunshot to the chin. And oh, blood's just spurting out. And I looked down and I saw his left hand with the uh, his wedding band. And I just focused on that. And when they lifted him up to put him on the gurney, I was holding that hand. Me and a, a chippy motor, CHP, chippy. CHP, yep. We escorted the ambulance from the scene to the hospital. And I spent the day ferrying people all over the hospital. You know, it was a long day. And I came from the hospital directly home on the bike, full uniform. We don't have take-home bikes, so it was a, it's an anomaly. Usually, if I bring the bike home, that's because something bad happened. Either I'm cleaning it to go to a funeral, or there was some you know, terrible detail. So I come home, and I, I literally just fell into her arms and wept. I didn't cry. I wept for a very long time. And I can still hear Kenyon's partner yelling, live, live. I can still see the crimson of the blood leaving his body. I can remember what it was like to drive 110 miles an hour, you know, down the center median of a freeway that is stacked up like cordwood. And I thought to myself, if somebody pulls out, I'm done. I violated multiple policies probably in the way I I responded to an 1199 by a signal 13, I think uh, for you. Is that an officer involved? For us, it's 10-1. Oh, okay. uh... Like that means officer needs help. Okay. When that call comes out, whatever your particular code is, everything stops and you go handle business and having to stay on task. And I remember I could feel the emotion starting to well up. And I literally said to myself out loud, now is not the time. Knock it off. Do your job. And I did. And it was when I came home that I just let it all go. I did. I made two phone calls Everything was code four. Nobody's outstanding and all that. They're still working on Kenyon. I knew that it was going to end up on social media. I called my wife to say, hey, I'm on scene with this thing. It ain't me, but I'm here. I got to go. I love you. And I hung up on her. And then I called my mom. She worked at a uh, Christian publisher in Colorado Springs at the time. And it's like, you know, a four-story building. It was a big deal. And I told her what was going on very briefly. And she said, okay. Well, turns out like she... Somehow got like on the PA or whatever. And that entire business stopped what they were doing to pray for what was happening. If it wasn't for my mom and my wife 
and certainly my dad, because you know he growing up in in civil service and having somebody to bounce these things off of the support system. I don't know how you do this job if you're going to be that crusty. Everybody's an a hole, you know, negative all the time. Those are the the guys and gals when they retire, they'll be dead in in a few months because they yeah, don't. I stay, I stay away from those people. <laughs> absolutely, as you should. And I, I can't remember the guy who, one of my favorite quotes, and I wish I could remember who, oh, it was Jim Rohn. That's who it was. Something to the effect of, you are the culmination of the five people you spend the most time with. Like Whatever their predilections are, you're going to end up following in those shoes, which is a nice turn because you can also positively impact them. You know, you can be the leader. You know, at, at WYE, we talk all the time about not solely identifying yourself as an insert job title, right? I'm a husband, I'm a father, uh, I'm a son, I'm a friend, I'm a, a podcaster, I'm an author, I'm a financial coach. Eventually, I'll get to cop, but it's way <laughs> down the list. But it wasn't always like that. You know, when I was 26 in the academy, you know, that was the end all be all. It was so cool to carry a gun. Woo, baby, that was awesome. Whatever. I don't care about that. I really don't because it's a thing I do. I was good at it. You know, I was a great motor. I, I was productive. I loved writing tickets. I mean, I was that guy. But when it was, you know, time to go off duty, I was a husband and a dad. And I would come home and do that job. I didn't hang out a lot with other cops for the latter half of my career. The first half, oh man. Yeah, you get, you're working weekend graveyard? Sweet, let's go get drunk on Tuesday. You know, that's just the, that's what we did because I was young and stupid. And I, I didn't know that I could set those intentions earlier in my career. Had I made that decision in the first 10 years of my career, I was woo footloose and fancy free with that money. You want to go buy a new PlayStation? Let's do this. No thought, (laughs) no thought about it whatsoever. The amount of money I've got in my checking account right now would be easily tripled if I had pulled my head out of the dark, smelly place back in 1999. But, you know, you got to go through life. You got to figure these things out regardless of people telling you, oh, you should do blah, 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 blah. Find somebody that's done what you want to do and ask them how they did it and then do that thing. That's the cheat code. You mentioned yeah. video games. Totally. Uh, yeah. I, used to, I used to work midnights. And one day I looked down. So I used to, on my days off, I'd stay up till two, three in the morning playing video games. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just love video games. And one day I looked Dude. down at all, I counted like probably two dozen games. And I did the math. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that I spent <laughs> this much money. I, you know, I, I calculated about how much each game. And I was buying like probably a game every month or so. Yeah. So uh, I calculated like, you know, how much money I've spent on games and uh, it was a scary number. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, early in our relationship, I'm a giant child. I still like I I play uh, on the Oculus. I love VR. Absolutely love it. And I can get lost in it. But a long time ago, early in our relationship, the wife's like, you spend a lot of time playing games. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it was cute when we were dating, I guess, but now it's significantly less so. And I really had to be conscious about, okay, I'm going to play this game. And God bless her. She was very, very understanding and worked with me and would say, hey, I need you to do a thing. Can you pause? Because some games, you know, some games have cutscenes. You don't want to skip the cutscene. Right. That's the story, right. baby. I need that, right? I'd validate my, you know, being the hero in Spider-Man or whatever. 
And I would just stop real quick and be like, can you give me two minutes? Wait, as soon as this is done, I'll pause it, save it, whatever. She's like, yeah, totally. Now, it, it's a huge difference than it used to be of like, yeah, <laughs> you, just keep, you just keep going, right? The big joke in my household uh, when we would tell the kids to turn off the game is that uh, I can't stop right now. I'm in a boss battle. <laughs> You're always See, in a now, boss battle. <laughs> if my kids said that, I'd be like, oh, all right, you handled yeah, that's, <laughs> hell yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> if you're not if you're not a gamer, you don't get it. And I'd no, have to uh, I'd have to explain to my wife, oh listen, boss battles are important. You don't get this, you know, every <laughs> yeah. you don't get this hey. every second of the game. Sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta give them a little extra time for the boss battles. I've spent hours getting to the demon dragon. I can't just stop now. Are you crazy? <laughs> I'll lose my horcrux. Like, shut up. <laughs> I think there's so many people that are out there playing games like the numbers would probably, you know, I think it's a little bit more normalized now that it's on television. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, there are entire YouTube channels that are dedicated to watching people play games. Yeah. And I actually I enjoy it. You know, like early in the pandemic, we got deep into board games like old school, not like Monopoly and all that nonsense. I'm talking about like take over your table you know, level of gaming. And I will watch somebody play a board game because they, I mean, some of these, some of these games have, you know, inch thick rule books. So I'm like, yep. I, I, I need to find somebody that's going to walk me through this. And ironically enough, there's a game called Pandemic that is awesome. But then they did what's called a legacy game. Uh, they have season one, season two, and season zero. And my wife and Justin and his wife, we've played these games over probably the last two years. And you'll play a session and it could take an hour. It could take three hours. And then you're, you know, it's, it's month to month. So it's a whole count. You get two chances to pass each month. And the way the game changes, you add stickers to the board. The story is immersive. It's deep. The decisions you make will irrevocably change how you play. And every time you play the same season, if you were to go back and play it again and make dif different decisions, it's a totally different. So I get watching people do it, but my kids, God bless them, they will watch the most inane nonsense on YouTube and it drives me insane. And my wife's just like, you watch these things too? I'm like, it's not the same thing, woman. That's not cool. <laughs> Uh, my son playing Minecraft or watching YouTube videos of Minecraft. Oh. I, I just, I didn't get that game. Oh, no, I just didn't oh, get no. that game. I'm like, I don't see it. Yeah. So are they virtual? Why are you building a cape? What is happening? What yeah, is the they're virtual, point? they're virtual Legos. And then you take a little yeah. pickaxe and you knock, you knock at them. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, the people behind it are made a mint. God bless them. But that is not my wheelhouse, man. <laughs> So now my two games uh, offline is chess and uh, Texas Hold'em poker. You know, oh. I've just been, been loving poker. I'm looking forward to Christmas break because when my, and my wife and my brother and his wife and some friends up there get together, we love to play poker. I love Hold'em. Uh, if I could get into tournaments, I would. I have a crew. We meet every three weeks. And we have a uh, 17 game season. So it runs like a little bit. Well, this past year, we had to take a five month break because the state was shut down. But, yeah. <laughs> but typically, Thanks, typically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Typically, well, California was even worse, I hear. Oh, oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> with the lockdowns, but yeah, so we took a voluntary five-month break, but typically our season runs for the year and we meet every three weeks. So it uh That's awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's the same like 20 to 24 guys. We don't have more than 24 usually, but it's the same 20 guys, two tables usually. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. That is absolutely awesome. And, and we even have we even have a couple of women too. Oh, you watch out for them. They're they're <laughs> much, they are much better poker players. They are great players. They are. Yeah. Yep. It's just because they can they can have those dead eyes, you know. Just if uh, let, just let me ask you, you. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me ask you this question: If money was no object and you had uh, Jeff Bezos' money, what would you do with it? Oh, you'd like you didn't have to. Again. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be on an island somewhere. Oh my God! Yeah, uh, you know, I, all I really care about is being able to support my family. I would pay off my house. One of the cool things about watching what my dad has done. Last about a year ago, uh, he paid off his house, so he has no debt at all. And I looked at him. I'm like, you, you realize you're a millionaire now? Like he doesn't have a million dollars in the bank. That's not what a millionaire is. It's net worth. It's everything you own minus what you owe is your net worth. You don't owe anything. And all of this stuff, you know, Class A motorhome, this, that, the other thing. It's worth a million dollars. And he's like, isn't that insane? Like, yeah. I want to be you when I grow up. That's amazing. I would pay off my house. Kids, you know, college is taken care of. Would you buy them a house or would you have no, them uh, buy their no, own no, house? No, 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 The easy answer is I would totally buy them a house, but I don't want to do that because that's not teaching them anything, right? They got to understand the struggle. I think if they have enough money to support the mortgage, Whatever they're working at, I would definitely buy them each a house, but I would make sure that they could afford the mortgage. Like I wouldn't saddle them with with some ridiculously large mortgage, you know? One of the things like uh, earlier this year, we finally got our last will and testaments dialed in. Like we hired an attorney and did the whole thing. And one of the things is our kids are not going to see any money until I want to say maybe 30, Mm. 30 years of age. You know, I look back at myself 20 years ago now, almost, and I think, wow, you barely knew your ass from your elbow. And I can't imagine if if somebody gave me that money. That's what I think about, you know, college football players. Look at uh, Johnny Football. So many of them. Oh, my God. You're a 19, 20, 21-year-old kid, and they are giving you big boy money. It's no wonder that dude lost his mind and just blew all of his cash. I mean, the typical career for an NFL player is like three and a half years. Yeah. And that's a, that's a boatload of money, but sweet, you're unemployed at 25. You left college. You have no skills other than, you know, pancake blocks or whatever. What are you going to do? You know, yep. it, I want my kids to understand money and it's worth. I want them to work for things. I'm not saying that I wouldn't help. Absolutely will help. But I mean, look at today. I've got a 15, a 12, and a 10-year-old. I pay their mortgage, <laughs> you know? And God, it is a knockdown drag out to have them pick up their clothes off the bathroom floor. Like, I don't, I don't, there's that certain level of respect, right? When you own something, you tend to treat it better. Yep. And I would hate to buy something large like that for them and then show up and have it be an absolute garbage dump. Oh, I nope. 
you got to make your own bones, man. I got a lot of help over the years from my folks, you know, going through college and I had a great time in college. I went to five schools over eight years. I loved school. (laughs) It was was a blast. (laughs) So there's a a fine line between how much do you let them struggle on their own and how much do you help them, you know? Yeah, yeah. When I was going through my struggles, I mean, there were a number of times I, I called my dad and be like, I'm eating toaster scrapings, man. Can you can you help me out? And he would. What he would not do, he would not subsidize my stupidity. Like he would help me out, but I had to learn some lessons too. And, you know, sometimes walk into the Circle K to get yourself a, a burrito for breakfast. Hey, man, that's that's a hard lesson because that's not going to treat you well in any sense of the word. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a certain amount of life experience there that you know teaches you things. You can extrapolate those lessons to your life. I'm never going to have to do that again because I did it already. I'll make mistakes. I'll find new and inventive ways. And I've told multiple chiefs this. I will find new and inventive ways to screw up. Absolutely. But I won't make the same mistake twice. So, I mean, it's kind of a, a flip side of the same coin. Like, yeah, hosh hour. Whew, that guy's... Uh, he screwed up this other thing, but he'll never do that again. So stand by for the next stupid thing he does. I think you mentioned it earlier, but uh, what's your next project that you're working on? I'm really focusing on kind of rebooting and relaunching GPS financial coaching. I have a an absolute passion for helping cops get their finances in order. Working in this career, in this field, and living paycheck to paycheck has become normalized. And I think it is negatively impacting the men and women that strap on a gun and put on a vest and put their lives on the line every single day. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care where you live. I don't care what your history is. One of the things I tell the clients that I work with is, I mean, there's there's a whole analogy to what a GPS is, right? You think about the GPS on your phone or in your car. There are two things it needs to know, where you are and where you want to go. It doesn't ask you where you came from. Nope. It, doesn't, it doesn't care where you were yesterday, and neither do I. You made whatever decisions you made to get where you are today. We're going to have to deal with the ramifications of those decisions, but if you're driving from point A to point B and you spend the whole time looking over your shoulder while you're going forward, you're going to crash into something. So stop looking at the past and making a big deal about the stupid thing you did with money. I've done more dumb things. I, I used to go to Best Buy every Tuesday, every Tuesday, because it was that's when new music, new movies, and new games got released. And I would go in there and just be like, I'm going to buy this, that, and the other thing. I didn't have kids. I wasn't married. So really, is it that big of a deal? Kind of, because it took me a long time to get to where I am now. And if I could go back in time and kick that guy square in the jimmy, I would, because he was a selfish self-centered, narcissistic. I'm still narcissistic, so I guess that's not really really fair. But uh, I am a motor officer, for God's sakes. I mean, that comes with a helmet. And I I would smack him in the face and be like, hey, man, knock. I mean, you can still do fun things. You can still buy some of the things you enjoy. But spending money just to, you know, they call it retail therapy, right? There's a very physical experience that happens in your brain chemistry when you spend money. You get a dopamine hit. You feel better. That's just biology. I'm not trying to take that experience away. I'm trying to show you how to gain it responsibly and with intention 
because eventually we're going to get you out of debt. And, you know, if you want to go, perfect example, I went to Total Wine the other day. I love bourbon. I love bourbon. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get a few different bottles. And, you know, there's actually one in particular was an $80 bottle of bourbon out of uh, Peerless Distillery in Kentucky. And I wanted to buy that bottle, but I saw a bunch of other ones I wanted. And I'm like, okay, I could either buy these four different bottles for, let's say, like 120 bucks or one bottle for 80. And I didn't even think about it. I'm like, I'm going to get these four bottles. It was great. I came home, told the wife, and she's like, cool. You know what I did? I took it because we have a line item. I apologize to all of the listeners. We have a line item in our budget for alcohol. <laughs> like we saved up $300 just to go and because that's something I enjoy. I'm, I'm not sitting here with a, you know, a straw, a crazy straw and a bottle of bourbon sucking it down every day. But I like a cocktail every, you know, every so often. And I, I like good bourbon. So I dropped 120 bucks on four bottles of bourbon and didn't bat an eye because I don't have a credit card. I haven't had a credit card in over a decade. I'll never have a credit card again. We can have a whole other debate about that. But I had money set aside for this purpose. So when I went there, there was no guilt, no shame, no nothing that followed me home. Same thing is true of vacations. We took our kids and our exchange student back in 2015 down to Disneyland for like four or five days. That trip cost me like five grand. Yeah, that's a big trip. It's a huge trip, but we saved for it ahead of time. So we were able to enjoy the experience without handing over a credit card and being like, well, this bill is going to show up someday. That vacation, the only thing we brought home with us was memories. That's it. We didn't bring home debt. We were able to experience that in a completely different way than most people do. Most people are absolutely broke. Uh-huh. <laughs> they can make real good money, but they don't feel like they're making any kind of traction in their finances. They don't feel like retirement is an option. I'm 49 years old. I'm retired. That's insane to me. But I'm not going to sit on my backside and you know play video games all day. There are some days that I spend a you know, couple of hours playing. It's fun. But I set that intention ahead of time. To circle back to answer your question, that I want to help other first responders feel the way I do now. It is so very possible. And I don't care if you're a year away from retirement or 30 years away from retirement. God, if I can get to that 30-year guy, oh, it's not going to take him 30 years to get to retirement. I promise. Do you have a one-sheet spending plan or is it a book? <laughs> We use a software called YNAB. You need a, that's what it stands for. You need a budget.com. And of course, I have an affiliate link for it. So if you want to check it out, you can go to wyeradio.com slash YNAB. And it's actually on my phone. I take my budget with me everywhere I go. So when, like, for example, when I was working and I would have a lunchtime budget of, I think it was like 30 bucks every two weeks. Most of the time I would take lunch from home but on those days where I'm like, ah, you know, I'm not feeling tuna today, let's splurge. And, you know, I would go to In-N-Out or Chipotle or, you know, what Jersey Mike's or, or whatever. And I could look at my phone and be like, ooh, I only have $6 left on my budget for the rest of this week. Well, that means I'm going to In-N-Out because, you know, they love the cops. So you know, I, <laughs> I can get a, I can get a double-double for like, you know, three bucks. Sweet. Yeah. So 
I carry our budget with us. It's on mobile. It's on my laptop. It's everywhere I need it to be. And it doesn't have to be this, you know, tome. You, know, you, you put it down and dust pops off of it. And, you know, it feels heavy. The most liberating thing I've ever done with money is create a spending plan. Absolutely. It is so liberating and it makes me feel the sense of control that every cop has. We have to control every aspect of our lives, right? You walk on scene, you're looking at me, you're doing what I'm telling you to do because check it out, badge done. I say jump, your feet better hit a certain height, right? Because I'm in control of this situation. And the budget is something that I and my wife can control. And funny story, I actually gave up control of the budget to my wife. She's the one that does the budget now. We talk about it. We have budget meetings, but they last now, they last like five, 10 minutes, maybe every month. That's it. it they're not, you know, epic weekend long diatribes on, you know, how we're going to spend our money because we've already done, laid the groundwork for that. It can be very, very overwhelming to try and do something on that magnitude without a guide and being able to work with your partner. And that's, that's mm -hmm. what G in GPS stands for. It stands for guiding. Guiding, planning, and serving. I've been a public servant most of my adult life. I can help you plan for the future. And you, clients, they are the heroes in their own story. I am simply the guide that gets them from where they are to where they want to be. Donald Miller's story brand. I love it. Hell yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And it's uh, funny, I, I named GPS before I knew who Donald Miller was. <laughs> <laughs> I just recently listened to his uh, audio book and then I went on to his website and started, you know, working through. It's a really, really good resource. Uh, it's oh, God, um, yes. mystorybrand.com. It's, it's a really, really good resource. What's your definition of a hero since you mentioned the hero? Oh, definition of a hero. Off the cuff, I would say a hero is somebody that sees a problem that needs solving and works with purpose to overcome whatever adversity exists, whatever their definition of uh, adversity is. That, and that's kind of the thought behind our podcast, MC's Emergency. It's not you know, what's going on with fire emergency? It's what's your, what is our listeners are the your in that title? What's your emergency? What are you dealing with that we can help you overcome? I was Anybody thinking can, when you said that uh, you were going to start another podcast, I was thinking you can just shift the focus of what's your emergency to the financial world. I, I was thinking you don't need to necessarily, it's a great title. It is. It is. I think what I may end up doing, because the opener for our show uh, says you're listening to the WIE radio network, I may make it a part of the network, which is just a thing we made up, but whatever. It sounds really cool. <laughs> and, uh, I love it. I think one of the things I love about creating content is it, it doesn't have to cost the consumer, the customer, the listener, anything. Look at uh, guys like Donald Miller, Pat Flynn, Dave Ramsey, Michael Hyatt, all of these people have books, podcasts, free resources. You don't need to give them any money. It's a lot easier. You know, you get from point A to point B a heck of a lot faster if you do. 
like guys like Pat, I don't know if you're familiar with Pat Flynn. He's from I am. Uh, the Smart, I smart am. Passive Income. I yep. am such a massive fan of Pat's. If he comes out with a product, I just give the dude money. I'm like, here, here you go. This is probably at some point in the future. But because I took his affiliate marketing class like three and a half, four years ago now, I've cleared $100,000 in affiliate income over that span of time. And that course cost me like 600, 700 bucks. That's a hell of a return on your investment. So when he, come, when he comes out with a book, I'm like, yeah, I'll buy it. I'll buy four of them and I'll give them to people. I don't mean just, I am so grateful for Pat. I am immensely grateful for him. And I've been, I've been fortunate enough to meet him and tell him that face to face. I wanted to ask you about your email list. Did you start growing it after listening to Pat's course or long before that? I think it was Pat that introduced me to the concept of an email list. And I went for a very long time just kind of collecting emails and whatever. I wasn't, again, I wasn't intentional with it. And one of the things that I'm working with Adam about and learning from Donald Miller is the whole sales funnel and why communicating with your audience through an email list is such a big deal. People talk about email marketing is dead. No, it's not. Oh my it's God. Not. Do you know it's how many not. emails I get in a freaking day from people? I'm like, who, when did I sign up for this? And there's uh-huh. some, I just, I, I either unsubscribe or I bounce out, but there are some like, I, I get emails from Pat. That guy can send me emails until the end of time. I am never going to unsubscribe from anything he does because he has provided so much value to my life personally and professionally, that I'm so grateful. I've learned that, you know, it was, it's funny to make it a, a real personal story. My mom died a couple of years ago and she fought this many iterations of cancer, breast cancer, skin cancer, pancreatic cancer, brain cancer, brain eventually got her. But I talked about it on the show and I emailed my list and said, Hey, if you are of a proclivity, could you please pray for my mom? And the outpouring of support I got from people who, for whatever reason, either they you know downloaded a free chapter of my book, or they got a free PDF copy of my book, or they liked the show, whatever. I was inundated. One guy in particular, his name is Jeff, and lives in Australia. I've never met Jeff face-to-face, ever. I consider the man a brother. He's been so supportive and so loving towards my mom, towards me and my family. He sends packages. I mean, when we, we went on a 23-day epic road trip this year, the five of us and our two dogs, and we took flat Jeff. We took a picture of him and laminated it. And he, so he went to Yellowstone with us. And <laughs> we posted all these photos of this dude on the other side of the planet, all because I put out some content. Somehow it made it to his ear holes. And we make this connection. That's what I love about the power of, of social media, of content creation, of course design, curriculum design, is you get to help other people. That's why we took this job however many years ago. I mean, it, they ask you in the hiring, why do you want to be a police officer? And I said, the, the standard answer, I want to serve my community. I want to help people. And I told the story when I was a, a dispatcher I was working in Graveyard and I got a 911 call. I'm the only one there. It was at uh, College Police at, down at uh, UC San Diego. So I'm the one doing the radio, answering the phones, answering 911, dispatching officers, all that stuff. 
And so 911 rings, I answer the phone, and it's this woman who is hysterically crying. Couldn't understand a word she was saying, but back in the day, it was a landline, and up came the address. So I start units towards her, and I hear her, you know, cry, 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 cry. He tried to rape me. Cry, 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 cry. All I got. So possible 261 in progress at this location. So get units with her within like two minutes. And a minute and a half later, they find the suspect passed out in his car, and they yank him out of his car by his hair. God bless him. And what I told the interview panel is that, you know, I was the only person on the face of the planet that could help her at that particular moment. She picked up a phone and got me. The high that I got off of that, the adrenaline dump, I said, sign me up, dude. I need more of that because that felt amazing. Absolutely amazing. Oh yeah, by the way, I got to help her. And that's that's great too, right? So... I kind of gave that the duality of that answer because cops are nuts, dude. And firefighters are bonkers too. They run into burning buildings. We run toward gunfire. We're all yep. certifiably insane. Yep, but it yep. feels so good. You know, if I can help other first responders get to the end of their career in, in such a place with their money that, you know, they can look back at their career through a different lens a lens of appreciation, of gratitude. It's a lot different when you can retire and not be like, how in the hell am I going to make my mortgage payment this month? I'm so stressed. I still get stressed, but it's never about money. It just isn't. And I lived in purgatory for 18 months. I didn't know if I was, if they were going to surprise me one day, unit at my house, be like, hey, throw on your uniform or you're going to work. What? <laughs> I don't know. No, thank you. I want to be done. But I just didn't know. But I didn't have that additional stressor of the money thing. And the money thing is a massive part of life. It's a massive part of life. And getting a handle on it, it alleviates so many other issues you never realize or recognize are connected to it. Money is like water. You know, you oh, yeah. absolutely, it's, it's like air. You absolutely need it. Yep. And it's yeah. only a problem when you don't have it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. People are going to keep giving you money. They are, it, be it your, through your work or whatever. But what we, one of the things I love to, to talk about is the story of when we first started creating a written plan. When we first wrote down all of our obligations and the money coming in, and we use what's called a zero-sum budget. So all the money coming in minus all the money going out, and out can mean to bills or to creditors or to a line item in your budget, equals zero. Every last cent has a job, has something to do, somewhere to go. Because if you don't tell it to do that, it just disappears. And we found that we were basically pissing away $500 a month. On what? You ask good questions. I have no idea. That's $6,000 a year that was just coming into my checking account and leaving again. Because we weren't thinking ahead. We were budgeting reactively. It was, okay, where'd our money go last week? As opposed to, hey, we're getting paid today. Let's plan for the next two weeks. It's a totally, it's a huge mindset that when you can make it, that changes everything, everything. Do you find people hesitant to uh, broach that money topic? Because there's so many people that are, you know, so hesitant to talk about and bring it up. One other thing I wanted to ask you, you don't have to answer if it's too private, but how many do you have on your email list? Uh, it fluctuates, but I keep it right around 500. Okay. When did you start growing that? 
odd years ago, long, 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 long time ago. At one point, it was over 3,000. Wow. But I, part of it was like a weird bot thing. And once with the, the email service provider I use, it's called ConvertKit. Yep. If you go over a certain number of you up to the next tier, it gets expensive. It gets real expensive. So I did, I kind of cold my list, right? I sent out an email, said, hey, if you don't respond to this email, or if, if I see you've not opened emails in the last six months, like I don't sweat when I get unsubscribers. I like it when people unsubscribe because that right. means I'm, I'm not their cup of tea and that's fine. My narcissism doesn't go that far, right? Like I, right. I don't need somebody else to tell me I'm the bee's knees. I'm aware. So when I get an unsubscriber, it's like, okay, then they weren't vibing off of, you know, what I'm delivering. Great. You're saving me money. Thanks very much. So yeah, I, I tried because I, the, the, is like a thousand subscribers. Maybe it's, maybe it is 500 actually. And I, I reached out to them because I knew my annual plan was coming back up and I thought, eh, I don't want to spend $400 for, you know, the extra six people that probably aren't opening my emails anyway. So, right. So who can once, I cut? <laughs> once, yeah. Once a year, I'll go through my list and be like, yep, you're out. Nope. You're out. Nope. You're out. It'll be interesting to when I relaunch GPS because there's a whole plan that, that we're creating that I'm hoping my list goes insane. I'm hoping that it costs me more money because that means I'm reaching more people. They're digging what I'm having to say. They're taking in my my content. And you know, eventually, they're either going to buy my new book or they're going to buy my five-day budgeting challenge course or they're going to buy my full-blown course, or they're going to hire me to work with them one-on-one and create their unique plan to get them out of debt and to set them up for retirement way ahead of time. And, th- and those are all, you know, that gets more expensive as, as time goes, as the products go on, you know. I'm curious about your email list because it's uh, one of the things that's on my list of, I've had various email lists and I just let them die or, you know, I, I've gone to different providers and I've switched. You know, I had Git Response, I had Active Campaign. I don't think I've ever had ConvertKit, but I've had different ones. And growing my email list is a high, high priority for me for this year. Yeah. So I'm going to spend a month working on that. Pat Flynn has a course on email marketing, and you cannot go wrong giving that guy some of your money. I promise. He is the king of email marketing. He really is. It, I like, one of the I like I, Pat. What I love about Pat is that dude is, he is so transparent and so authentic that I want to be the Pat Flynn of the you know first responder personal finance niche. I want to be that guy. I will tell you how much money I make. I will tell you where I, I will of my budget and show you. And I've actually, when I was leading uh, Financial Peace University with our church years ago, we actually did that one day. We brought a projector in and boop, popped up our budget and be like, this is kind of, this is how we do. Because people are always asking us, how do you deal with this, that, and the other thing? So we just did like a bonus class and said, this is the hot shower experience. This is, this is how we live life. There are no boundaries when it comes to me talking about our money. You know, like to kind of go back to the question you, you alluded to earlier, like there's the three things you never talk about at Thanksgiving, right? Politics, sex, and religion. It's one. We are all talking about sex online all the time now. I mean, I can't scroll through Instagram without seeing what, you know, something sexual. Money is the new sex. Money is the it new It depends on what you click on, what you like to. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Money is the new taboo thing that people don't talk about, right? You don't, you don't ask the, the ladies how, how old they are. 
You don't ask anybody how, how much money they make. There's certain things you just don't bring up. And I think if we take the mysticism, the mysticism, maybe some of the, the guilt and the shame, because there's all kinds of guilt and shame surrounding personal finance, which I don't, mm. I don't get. I wish there wasn't, you know? I think that if you can lead by example, which is something that, you know, they try and beat India in the academy, you, you are the half a percent of people of the population that will stand up and do this job. You have to lead by example. I don't care if you got stripes or bars or whatever. You can be a leader regardless of your rank, regardless of your position. I mean, I did that for years. I never promoted. It wasn't in the cards for me. But if somebody had a question about money or about traffic, in an 800-person department, I the guy they asked for years, for years, because I have a passion for both of those things. You know, I became a post-certified master instructor. I rewrote the basic collision investigations course for the state of California for class. And I did, it's a basically a master's level work in uh, adult learning and curriculum design because I have a passion for traffic-related stuff. I'm a total nerd, man. I'll, you want to know how fast a car was going based on the skid marks or the damage profile or how far the pedestrian flew? I can tell you all of those things. I love that stuff. Like ma I get math, right? In math, there are right and wrong answers. Everything yeah. else in life is open to interpretation, right? We can argue about almost anything, but one plus one is still freaking two. And you cannot tell me different because you're wrong. That's math. It's got a finality to it. And money is, is very similar. It adds up, and then you subtract it. And then it adds up, and then you subtract it. You don't need to know trig to get your finances in order. You got to know how to add and subtract. Occasionally multiply, maybe? Maybe divide, but that's it. That's the highest function you're going to have to worry about when it comes to personal finance. Jason, I know that you got another call coming up, and I want to respect your time. I really appreciate having you on the show. I got four more questions. All right. Uh, hopefully it'll only take you like four minutes to answer. <laughs> oh, rapid uh, fire. Let's do this. Yeah, ra rapid fire. So I already asked you what a hero was because I always ask that question. But uh, you already have a really busy plate. What made you add coaching to it? <laughs> it's funny. Partly very selfish. It makes me feel good. It really does. I love it. That's a great answer because uh, that's it's why I'm, <laughs> I'm steering people towards coaching because it makes you feel good and you help people. Absolutely. I mean, that should be the part of it that kind of goes without saying, right? If you if you go to a personal trainer, you'd like to think that they're getting something. They're obviously there to help you. But did you ever yep. stop and think maybe they're getting some sort of personal satisfaction out of it as well? Yeah, they enjoy training people. Yeah, absolutely. If they're not, you're in the wrong business. <laughs> All right. Number three, when uh, you're starting to feel kind of stressed out because of everything that you have going on, how do you uh, show yourself love and how do you save yourself from that breaking point? Music. 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 Either listen to it or play it. I picked up the banjo back in 2018 and that spun into a whole other thing. I've played the banjo, the dobro, the guitar, acoustic and electric. And a few weeks ago, I picked up a bass and I've gone through all of those musical instruments to discover I'm a friggin' bass player. I love it. <laughs> I freaking love the bass. You just gave me an idea. So I was thinking for your 20th anniversary, you guys should try to go to Australia and you should seek out a didgeroo. A didgeroo I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> a didgeridoo. 
<laughs> a didgeridoo. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. When we were on our road trip this year, we were at uh, somewhere in Oregon, and there was this the shop that had a didgeridoo, and all three of my kids were like, no, Dad, no. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see you playing one of those. I'll especially do, with the beard, especially with the beard, but yeah. but you got to shoot video of it with you and your wife in Australia. I'm down. That sounds fantastic. Music is the in our home. There's almost always music on. Either we're playing it or we're listening to it. Well, last night we were we were supposed to go to a concert last night, and we we got into a brouhaha, and yeah. we decided that our our marriage is more important than than catching a show. But you know, Shakespeare. Music is what soothes the savage breast. It's not beast. It's breast, by the way. And it, it's totally true. You can change your, your feelings. You can change your heart rate based on the music you listen to. It will change everything. And I've again, intention is kind of my, my go-to word. I, I try and be very intentional in what I listen to as well. Well, music, the sound waves activate brain waves, and that's been proven. You know, it, Totally. So it's, it's extraordinarily powerful, extraordinarily powerful. And learning how to play it, learning music theory has been amazing. Two more, two more. What's your best ability? What's your strength? Is it your mathematical skills? My humor. I've got a pretty good mouth, which, you know, occasionally at work got me into trouble. Motor but mouth. <laughs> I've got, I've got a, an uncanny ability to make people laugh. That's good. Just for fun, if you had a comic superpower, what would it be and why? Oh, God. I've always been enamored with the power of flight. Nothing not, wrong not, with flying. Not, not specific. I'm not a huge Superman guy. I'm a, Marvel, uh -huh. I'm a Marvel guy. I mean, through and through. Absolutely. But I think, you know, people always say, oh, if you could be an animal, what kind of animal would you be? My go-to is always bird. I mean, how cool is it to be like, I'm going to go over there and just go in a straight line. <laughs> A falcon, a, a falcon fly like really, really fast down. Uh, did you watch Invincible on Prime? No, 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 I did not. All right, so on Prime, they have two superhero shows that you have to watch. One is called Invincible. It's animated, but it's it's for adults. It's really, really good. Okay. And the other one is called The Boys. Oh, seen every you, episode of The Boys. Every episode. Oh, Genius. It, it is genius, and if you love the boys, you will absolutely love Invincible. You have okay. to watch it. All it's right. that good. I watched it twice on my own, and then I told uh, my lady, I'm like, you have to watch this show, and she enjoyed it, and she's not a big animated uh, movie type of person. We did that with, uh, I watched the whole first season of Ted Lasso, and I, I binge-watched it in a day and a half. And got, I think it was on a trip. I came home, told my wife about it, and I watched it again with her. And if, if you've not seen Ted Lasso, you want to talk about good TV shows, that's one of the top five show of all time. Of all time. I'll look it up. I'll it's look it brilliant. up. It's brilliant. It's on Apple TV. It's absolutely brilliant. All right, brother. I really respect your time, and I, I appreciate having you on. Um, we will definitely continue the conversation offline, and at another point, because I know you got to jump on another call, but I just want to thank you for all of the work that you've been doing. It's, it's uh, sorely needed. Um, people need to stop living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. I, I don't live paycheck to paycheck. I beat that demon like a few years ago. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's awesome. I know that I did live that way for a very, very long time, you know, above my means, 
living off of overtime and just needing to work the overtime. It was, it was very stressful. Yeah, it is. It is no doubt. Well, thanks for having me on, man. I, I love coming on other people's shows and just having a conversation and reaching new folks. You know, I'd, I'd love for your, for your audience to come and check out WYE radio. It's a, it's a good time. It's fun. Some shows are, uh, you know, more serious and some, we, we just kind of let our hair down as it were. No offense. No problem. No problem. <laughs> I've been bold. I've been bold for like 20 years now. <laughs> there was always a joke when I was working is that I, it, my hair was, it's like a life of its own. I'm wearing, obviously wearing a hat. You can't see it, but I would put my helmet, my hair would look perfect. I put my helmet on, wear it for a couple hours, take it off. Hair still looked perfect. And every other motor officer is like, well, how is that possible? You don't have helmet hair. I'm like that superior genetics, son. I got uh, two shows just before I let you go that you have to go on and have a conversation with them. One is called Talking Filthy Policing. Uh, he's the, Dan Spencer. He's the owner of uh, oh, yeah, Filthy, Filthy Pirate. Filthy Pirate. They're, they uh, are the official coffee sponsor of WYU Radio. Yeah. So you've yeah. been on his show? Uh, I haven't been on. We've had him on ours. All right, so you got to do the reverse. You got to go on that his show. Good. He's he's an awesome guy. And the other one is Two Cops, One Donut. Eric Levine. Okay. He's he's really really good people. He's Fantastic. down in Texas. He's down in Texas, and he does it uh, very conversational style. And you'll definitely have fun with him. All right, all right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of their story. And I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at davidleith, the number one. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.